Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We decided to scrap that plan of having a two-week break and give you guys an episode in the middle of internationals because we love you so much. And we're back with another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. And with me, as always, the missed penalty to my Sergio Ramos, Billy. So cruel. You missed two in one game. We couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> Come on. you got The opportunity's there. You got to take it. But in this special, we will be discussing the international break and why we really don't need one. We'll be talking issues at Bayern Munich and racism in British media. It's just going to be grinding gears, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but I think we should start with international football because... I mean, yeah, it, it also gets us both, doesn't it? Like, it's just, ah, it really grinds my gears. I just don't enjoy it. Like, tournaments are fine. Okay, yeah, I understand that people need to qualify, but the Nations League is pointless. It is just a money spinner by UEFA, isn't it? Well, it's just a way for UEFA to make themselves more relevant on an international stage because the Euros, yeah, it's good, but I'd rather watch a World Cup. And we just don't need it. We've had two in two months. We just don't need it. I think the main reason also is, I mean, obviously when the Nations League was first introduced, there was no corona, there was no pandemic, um, there was no crazy schedule. And even then, people were already saying like, well, what's the point of this? Like people who play in the Nations League, like if that final tournament, it was, I think you could best uh, compare it to the, to the UEFA Super Cup. You know, a trophy that... You kind of just want to win, just say, you know, just to add it to your trophy cabinet. If you do have that great year where you win the Champions League as well and basically say that's another trophy added just to, you know, bulk up the number. But do you really care? Mm, No, not really. And it's just the same thing, but for international teams. It's an international community shield. Perfectly put. Pretty much. And... And the, the level of injuries that this year mm. we've seen as well, just you'd have thought the powers that be could have gone, okay, look, we know the schedule is quite hectic and quite tight as it is. Okay, we'll, we'll back off some of these international breaks. I mean, you just have to think about the fact that most of the teams that went on or that had international games, they played a total of three matches in the last two weeks. Yeah, I know three matches in the last two weeks doesn't sound a lot like a lot, but when you think about the fact that teams like Liverpool, like Bayern, like uh, Man United, like Dortmund, they've all had game midweek games plus weekends for about the last month and a half. Why do you need to add in these three matches? I mean, and not all three matches were even Nations League matches. One of them was just a pure test match. Like, why? Yeah, England's game against the Republic of Ireland and even the planned friendly that got cancelled against New Zealand just wasn't needed. Once New Zealand said, oh, look, we don't want to play this friendly and they cancelled it, the FA should have just gone, yeah, okay, we'll give the players a week off. Because 
as much as yeah you want to have some sort of cohesion with an international team your first priority has to be health and welfare of those players and traveling extensively in a pandemic is not guarding the health and welfare of the players i mean you know germany are right now going to travel to sevilla which is another corona hotspot i mean to be fair most of europe is if you go by the definition of most health organizations but you know in sevilla apparently the cases are extremely high even compared to some other places in in europe and you know you're sending the whole national team in there with multiple players from multiple top teams in Europe. And it's just extra travel that, you know, that UEFA could just avoid. They could just say, no, we're not going to, we're going to put the Nations League on hold. No one cares about the Nations League. No one, except the sponsors. It's just a way to make international breaks more competitive because, yeah, it stopped England playing San Marino three times a year. But... (laughs) I still didn't care anyway. Like, a game against Belgium should be one of the most exciting games. And in a tournament situation, yeah, it would. But I was watching I'm a Celebrity get me out of here. I had no, no need, no desire to watch that game. I mean, I have no need or desire to watch Germany matches at present, but that's because I keep drawing them. So I guess the reasoning is a bit different there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely see what you see what you mean. And it's just, yeah, they want to make the, as you said, they want to make the Nations League more competitive. But at the end of the day, how much are people really going to care about the Nations League, even if there is silverware to be won at the end of the day, when, you know, it's spaced out. There's no, it's, it's very sporadic in terms of when matches are played. And, you know, I mean, you could even argue that the Champions League is relatively sporadic once you make it to the knockout stages. But even there, it's very, there is still, you know, the Champions League, you know, you have at least a match every single, um, every couple weeks or maybe even every month. And it's still very, very, you know, continuous, so to speak. And it's spread out over a year and you have multiple matches. Whereas the Nations League, you basically play twice in the fall and twice in the spring and that's it. Well, this is the last international break until the spring so my point we can, we can take some solace in that but i want to talk this international break in particular because there's been a lot of injuries and covid cases and all that oh, i God, want yeah. to start with the injury so nathan ake is injured for city who already struggle at the back this season <laughs> that's and putting a that's putting it lightly i think the biggest one and you sent me something about this that tipped me over the edge a little bit Joe Gomez injured for Liverpool. Allegedly, FIFA are paying Liverpool two million to cover his wages of eighty grand a week. See, to me, that just sounds like like bullshit because it's not even a FIFA competition that he was due to be playing in. That's what I can't understand. If they if if the thing said UEFA, I'd be more inclined to go. Yeah, I can kind of understand that, but players get injured all the time. They're not paying Nathan Ake's wages. So why would they play Joe Gomez? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be fair, we have to say allegedly. So this is obviously social media that have been putting this out. But if this were to be the case, as you said, FIFA don't 
or it's not a FIFA competition, but FIFA technically do have jurisdiction when it comes to um, players being uh, or players going off on international duty because one, FIFA is the governing body for the world. UEFA is only for European football. So that, that would put FIFA above UEFA in the pecking order. Um, and it is FIFA who makes the guidelines for clubs letting players go on international duty. So for it to for FIFA to be like, yeah, we'll just pay Liverpool when any number of players are now being ruled out on injury or COVID related um, for the next few weeks. I mean, Liverpool's back line has gotten decimated in the last month and a half. All their four, all four of their regular starters are now out with injury. Because Andy Robertson also had a, a pulled a, or I think, did he tear a hamstring for Scotland? I don't know. I don't know whether he tore it, but he did play 120 minutes in their playoff game. And then again, it was a, a pointless Nations League game that, let's be honest, Scotland weren't bothered about playing because they just qualified for their first major tournament. Yeah, yeah. But we were talking about this before. I was like, well, surely can they not just say no? Like, I don't want my players to go. And we've had a look. So... They're, they're obligated. So, principle 1.1 of the regulations and status of transfer of players. Clubs are obliged to release their registered players to representative teams of the country for which the player is eligible to play. However, it is not compulsory to release a player outside of specified international windows and clubs do not have to release players for more than one senior international tournament a year. So, the next two years, We've got Euros in 2021 and a Christmas World Cup in 2022. We can kiss the Nations League goodbye. Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised. There's going to be no big players. If situation doesn't change, of course, and the schedule is still very hectic and still rife with COVID. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. Next March, when I believe the next Nations League, round of Nations League matches is supposed to be played... I would not be surprised if a lot of major clubs in Europe or at least Europe's elite clubs would go, hmm, no, I'm not. Why would I let Lewandowski, my top scorer, go and play for Poland against, I don't know, Kazakhstan when he could injure himself against uh, in a pointless match and then not play in our Champions League matches? That makes no sense. And he's already going to the Euros anyway. So why would, I, why would I bother? Well, it's quite interesting because Jose Mourinho said to Gareth Southgate the last two international breaks now, don't play Harry Kane in the friendly games. And to be fair, he's not. I mean, good on him. But... So maybe it's just a case of more managers having to come out and say, look, maybe, like, maybe not like your Southampton manager, maybe not Ralph Hassan who not wanting Ward Prowse to play all three games. <laughs> because let's be honest, he hasn't got to play Champions League games Midweek, so he's not playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's good from Jose Mourinho to manage arguably his best player. Yeah, and it also sets a precedent for other clubs to do the same. Because now Jurgen Klopp can go, well, I don't want Trent Alexander-Arnold playing friendly matches when he doesn't need to. Well, that's the thing. Like Jordan Henderson's been sent home now as well. And Raheem Sterling. So City and Liverpool's injury list is just it's getting decimated. Worse. I mean, to be fair, those two clubs have been hit particularly hard. I mean, you've Liverpool got Mo Salah. Who, oh, yeah. 
You got Mo Salah, who's now tested positive for COVID, which means he's done for two weeks, um, bare minimum, because, you know, two weeks is saying that's just a quarantine time, but you don't know what kind of effects COVID is going to have on him. You don't know how much uh, match fitness he's going to be missing because everyone reacts differently to the, to the virus. So, you know, I mean, God forbid, obviously, but, you know, he has flu-like symptoms, then he's definitely not going to be fit enough to play full 90 minutes for a lot longer than just two weeks. And so well, that, that, yeah. That's the thing, like Ronaldo had it and he did his two weeks and then he still tested positive. So it could be longer than two weeks for Mo Salah. And then Liverpool's whole back line is just gone. <laughs> Non-existent. It's quite funny though. I mean, if you're a United fan, then obviously, yeah. Being vindictive. <laughs> exactly. Being vindictive, I can see why. Which is, is, is not me. I'm not a vindictive person when it comes to football. Oh, in, no. Not, in, never. In the slightest. <laughs> never, never. Shall we leave international football because it makes my piss boil? And shall we move on to what on earth is going on at Bayern Munich. Sounds like a plan. I don't know where to start with this. I'll be completely honest. This is just an absolute, or it's it's entry number 2,853 into the diary of what the hell is Salihamidzic playing at as sporting director. Because in the span of three weeks, I believe... Two highly decorated and longtime servants of Bayern have been told they're either getting their offer for a contract extension pulled, this being in the case of David Alaba, or told they're not getting a contract extension whatsoever in the case of Jerome Boateng. And both times they've, they've heard about these offers are either being pulled or not, or even being told that they're not getting a new offer through the media. What the hell do they think they're doing? This Boateng's been there for 10 years. Alaba's been there since he was 16. Both have won two Champions Leagues. God knows how many, uh, how many German uh, league titles and uh, domestic cups. And I mean, these have got these guys have been the the talisman of that back line for the last ten years. How can you possibly, as you know, as a as massive as a club Bayern is, how can you be so careless with such with such esteemed players? Can I ask a question for your honest opinion? Oh yes, please. Do you think it's a lack of respect that they're hearing it through the media, or do you think it's being leaked by someone to the media? That's a good question. I'm inclined to say that it's like, you don't want it to be lack of respect, but then also you don't want it being leaked to the media by someone. I think it would be very, very problematic if someone was leaking that information to the media because then it obviously shows that you know the contract negotiations and they usually only take place between the player the player's manager and you know the club's board or the club's sporting director in this case 
And that would mean that one of the people all are very high up in the pecking order, so to speak, is leaking. And that would be a very, very big shame if either someone on the side of the player is leaking this stuff to the media or it's uh, on the side of the board is leaking this stuff to the media. Well, That would be very damaging. That's my next question. Because we've seen my favorite man in football, Mino Raiola, <laughs> do something similar a few times where he's come out and said stuff like, oh, well, we've spoken to X club about X player or X club really wants to buy X player. Would it, would it be possible for it to be something like that leaked to the press in order to put pressure because you've seen the way fat buying fans have reacted to this. I, I'm going to be completely honest here and say that the way both Boateng and Alaba seemed genuinely surprised, and obviously, you know, we can't do anything other than comment what we see, which is what the media have reported and what the players have said in front of camera. We don't, obviously don't know what the going is on uh, behind the scenes. So... I would say that as of now, from the information that I have lying in front of me, that it is Bayern being careless when they put out press releases or they notify the players. Because the Monday when David Alaba went in front of the media and said, you know, guys, I heard about my contract offer being yanked through the same airwaves, so to speak, that you did. And the Sunday before that, Bayern's president goes out and says, you know, this is how it is. He's not getting a new contract. So obviously there's being there's a con- conscious decision being made to make that release by Bayern's board. And it leads me to believe the same thing about Jerome Boateng. Although officially the club have not said anything about that. There's only been media reports from uh, the German tabloids. It stinks of the same situation though, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And that's why I'm so fuming. I'm, I'm just fuming with this board of directors and especially Hassan Zalihamidzic because as much as, you know, he's brought in Leroy Sun and he's made, he's brought in Alfonso Davies, overall his track record as sporting director, it's just one of poor decision-making. And on the whole, neither a good transfer strategy nor a good strategy when it comes to keeping players already on their, in, on their roster. Welcome to my world. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. But it's not all paradise at Bayern then, which is, you think a team who has been so successful last season, who's still doing it this season, it's like, okay, the Achilles heel seems to be uh, an incompetence at board level. So when you eventually lose David Alaba and Jerome Boateng and don't replace them with players that can reach a similar level, you're going to have a bad it, time. I know. And it's, it's, that, it's just that thing. I, I don't believe, or at least, uh, you know, media reports said, you know, surrounding Jerome Boateng, where at least, you know, when they said, uh, yeah, they're going to try and replace him with Deod Upamecano. And I'm sorry, but half of Europe's elite are after him. What makes you so sure that you're going to get him? when it's very sure that Jerome Boateng is going to be gone. I was going to say, keep your hands off that man. (laughs) Also, if I were Hansi Flick right now, I'd be going into Hassan Zalihamidzic's office 
and saying, what the hell are you doing? You're killing my roster. I need these two players. Both of these players have done exceptional jobs in the last season to win you a treble, not even a treble, win you five different titles. Why are you letting them go? Why are you being so unbelievably naive when it comes to these negotiations? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Hansi Flick should at some point go, uh, go up there and say, guys, if you don't sort your shit out, I'm gone. And yeah, then your star if, coach is gone. But if Hansi Flick publicly criticized, so say a reporter says to Hansi Flick after your next game, oh, what is going on with David Alaba and Jerome Boateng? If he goes, oh, well, the board is essentially messing around and not doing their job properly. There's nothing stopping that board going, oh, well, the easiest person in a football club to fire is the manager. Here's the thing, though. After David Alaba happened, he already said that the timing of this news being put out, I'm not happy with, which means Hansi Flick heard about this whole chain of events at the same time that David Alaba did and through the same channels. So they're not communicating board level to staff level then? Well, they're not commu- Yeah, they're not communicating to, from board to, manage, uh, to the manager, which, I mean, if you think about it, they, don't, they technically don't have to. But if you're making plans about, you know, your manager, one of your manager's star players, then you might want to keep him in the loop. And uh, it's just, it's just not well managed whatsoever. And I'm completely lost when it comes to people asking me or my dad always posing the the question, who put Zali Hamacic in that position and why Given his track record, was he just promoted to become to be sitting in the board of directors, as well as keeping his sporting director position about a year ago, when his track record is just so awful? Yeah, but you know what boardrooms are like. It's a it's a very it's very the case of oh well, I I know you. I want to keep people that I know or people that maybe he owes someone something. Was like okay, well, I'm going to keep you close so I can use you. It's very political. At board level true but i've i've i finished ranting about about uh Bayern's incompetency at board level i think it's time to turn our attention to a matter that is close to your heart bill i'm fuming i'm it really really made me angry when i saw it on twitter and it's like so for people that don't have twitter or live in a cave <laughs> Marcus Rashford is is doing an, an incredible job helping you know poor families that can't afford to feed their children. He's helping them feed their kids basically with like schemes and free, meals. free school meals. Gotten himself and an MBE for that. Exactly. Because you you just would. Yeah. He is the country's golden boy at the moment. And some dullard at the Daily Mail has decided to get two morally questionable journalists to essentially slag him off for investing his money sensibly. This is the easiest way to put it. So he spent <laughs> a combined two million on five houses for his family. 
And if you know anything about Marcus Rashford, he grew up with nothing. Like he knows what it's like to not have food, like to go to bed without eating. And I'm going to say it, and some people might disagree with me, and I don't want to talk to those people, but there's a problem in this country, in England, definitely, where some people don't like a young black person having a large, significant amount of money, clearly. You know, Raheem Sterling highlighted it a couple of years ago with the difference between Phil Foden buying his mama house. Oh my God, Phil Foden's amazing. And Tosin Adarabayo, another City young player, did the same thing. And it's a, oh, well, uh, you've not played for Man City. Why are you spending money on buying your mama house? It's like, okay, so what would they rather Marcus Rashford do? Give all his money away? You know, the idea that someone can't do well and live well themselves is utterly ridiculous because Marcus Rashford is doing it. He is helping millions and millions of kids and families and is also creating a better life for him and his family. Which, you know, if you're asking me, that is, if you're playing the game of life, that is winning. It is beyond words. And I'm definitely going to back you up here because you just have to look at the way Phil Foden was treated when he, when he bought his, his family house for roughly the same amount of money and the way Rashford was treated. And then you just take a look at the two players and I'm sorry to say, but the main difference there is skin color. I'll give you another example. Phil Foden. I'm not picking on Phil Foden in any, in any stretch of the imagination. I don't want people to think that I'm singling him out, but so Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood, the incident that happened in Iceland with England, Okay. Both equally stupid, yeah. Both equally stupid, both equally at fault. You get a rap on the knuckles from the FA in your club and you, get, you go on about your business. But while Phil Foden is, you know, oh, amazing City youngsters back in the England team, uh, there's loads of questions about Mason Greenwood's attitude and, you know, is he another Ravel Morrison? Oh, Man United are really worried about his his application in training. It's like, well, they're clearly not because if they were, he'd be reprimanded. He'd be punished. He was ill against Everton. So don't try and spin that any other way. But Phil Foden has a girlfriend and a kid and he still did what he did in Iceland, but no one mentions it. And I want to go back to Marcus Rashford because he's done what he's done. All the campaigning, he's done it so apolitically you can't fault him for it he's done an amazing job he's done it apolitically and quite frankly he's made the government look stupid and there's some editors and some dirty tabloid newspapers that don't like that so they're trying to dig up dirt and if the only dirt they can find on him is young man invests money wisely and treats family to new house then i don't think he's got anything to worry about but you have to question the moral fibre of the journalists that wrote the story. I won't name them because I don't want them to get any more publicity. You've got to question the morals of those above them who commissioned it in the first place. And we've just got to stop clicking on these stories because that's, that's the main thing that they want. Clickbait, yeah. It's complete clickbait. It's, 
it is just baffling to me how we still have this, you know, we've now had starting off with the whole thing with George Floyd and then how that spilt, you know, the, the question of racism in society and how much of a role it still does play. It's spilled over, not just from the U S but also into Europe. And, you know, you have many European countries also now, um, they've seen protests against racism. They've also seen, seen many citizens now throw up the question of how much racism is actually in society that we still don't, you know, at the, that privileged people still don't um, tend to see. And, you know, in a climate where this is such a very, very large issue and contentious issue, and rightly so, how can you still publish stories like the one about Rashford when it is so clearly, you know, playing, playing on the fact that, that his, that he is black and not white. It's unbelievable. I'll be completely and perfectly honest before we started uni, I didn't really pay much attention to the differences in stories in the press. I didn't read a tremendous amount of newspapers anyway. I got all my information from like Sky News app and things like that. Yeah. But certainly the, the Raheem Sterling one before the World Cup with his gun tattoo. I mean, that is on there for such a personal reason because of what happened to his dad. And yeah. now it's like, and then they were just like, oh, well, clearly he wants to promote gun violence. It's like, well, no, he clearly doesn't. And it's, you, you flip that. Say that was uh, James Milner. The most quintessentially English player I can think of currently plays football. <laughs> say he gets something. Say something horrible happened and one of his family was like stabbed or something and he got a knife and a message tattooed on his leg. James Milner isn't promoting knife crime in the same way that Raheem Sterling isn't promoting gun violence. I mean, you highlighted beautifully because there definitely would just be such a difference in the way both players would be treated. And, you know, you've highlighted it with Phil Foden. By the way, Phil Foden's also done, you know, the fact that he also bought his family, you know, a house also highlights that he's obviously, you know, a smart young guy save for maybe the issue in Iceland, but, you know, he, he definitely has, you know, some moral fiber, so to speak. And we're by no means trashing him. We're just saying that he does him doing the same thing. And then having his colleagues who are just of a different skin color being treated so differently is just highlighting as Billy said at the beginning, racism in the English media. I mean, you don't like to, you don't want to sit here and and think that the people that are supposed to inform the general public are racist, but you can't really argue against it. They are. End of. Yeah. And I just, I, I can't praise Marcus Rashford enough for what he's done and how he's handled this in general. But there comes, there comes a moment and it's like, well, how on earth can you print that story about someone who's doing so well? I'm just waiting for one about Lewis Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, seven-time world champion. He, he's top of everything 
and joint top for world championship wins. I'm just waiting for it to happen. And it's sad because it's not even the fact of it might happen. We already know it's probably going to happen. It's just going to be something about Lewis Hamilton probably, you know, it might even be him after the F1 season is over, letting off some steam and having a drink. And that'll probably make tabloid front page. It's ridiculous. And it annoys me. It frustrates me. And I know there's not much really that one guy sat in front of a mic can do. But I'd implore people, if you see it on Twitter, if you see it on Facebook, just don't click on it. Because Don't give these guys the time of day. Because they get off on it. The more clicks they get, the more they'll do it. I mean, the whole thing with Raheem Sterling, I mean, how many people must have looked at, read that story and clicked on that story? It just gives them license to go, oh, we'll do it again. See how many yeah. times we can get away with it before someone calls them out. Yeah. <sighs> well, on that note, after a very heavy round of ranting, I'd say we'll leave it for this week. We will be back with a completely normal episode of the 50 plus one football podcast next Monday, seeing as this weekend we are returning back to normalcy, so to speak, and uh, having a nice normal round of Bundesliga and Premier League. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.